Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth What do we know? A trips to telephones that are no different to you Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name's Ryan Placetti, and I am here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot of the Internet's bullshit. And I'm Matt Saintsing, and I am quenching my thirst this morning while drinking a lovely, non-alcoholic, sadly, uh, blueberry lemon seltzer. That sounds lovely. It's very, it's got a certain, like, north meets south charm. I'm from Maine, and blueberries are a very big deal up there. Yeah, 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 every season, right? I will say, this is kind of funny. This morning, I woke up, realized I didn't have any coffee. And I live like a block and a half away from the grocery store. So like, I'll just go get some coffee. So I went there, got got some ground coffee, and I got these seltzers that were not cold. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to want some cold drinks, too. So I bought two cold cans of LaCroix that I then left there because I didn't have my coffee this morning. Oh, and came, no. And I came home and I'm like, oh, I got my got my beverage that I'm going to put in the freezer to cool down. Then I have my quenching one. Uh, and then I didn't. And it was just, you know. So now you just got a belly full of warm seltzer. Well, no, 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 no. This was hours ago. So I put it in the freezer, flash froze it. So now I have cold seltzer. But I, I had to wait like an hour, hour and a half before I could oh, drink my. it. God, that's the worst. I could worst. just put it on ice, but fuck that. I'm not a child. Uh, can you imagine living any time before 100 years ago? I, I just It blows my mind how many warm drinks those people had to have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think about stuff like that all the time. Like, hundreds of years from now, people are going to be like, holy shit, people went to the office every fucking day before the pandemic on purpose. Yeah. People they existed? Pre- <laughs> they pretended that they liked it? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Humanity wasn't extinct yet? <laughs> It should have been, maybe. We're actually recording on Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) I know, extra spooky. But we actually released our Halloween special on Friday, and we are still bathing in the eerie glow of that accomplishment. In the bloodbath. (laughs) For those of you who joined us for our listening party, we appreciate you, and we look forward to repeating the event in the future. Yeah, I feel like I think not, it's... Uh, not for the Halloween special, but for like other episodes. Oh, I think we're not going to have an annual Halloween tradition? Well, I mean, it could be an annual Halloween tradition, but we will repeat the activity of having a listening party with episodes that are not the Halloween special. I and gotcha. we certainly aren't going to have listening parties of the same Halloween special over <laughs> and over again. Like some sort of Groundhog. Maybe we'll do it on Groundhog's Day. I don't oh, know. That'd be funny. That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if we just make one Groundhog's Day episode and edit it slightly every year? Oh, it's it's nothing but callbacks of the of uh of things we have already said. <laughs> it's rehashing all of our shit. You change the date. Good morning. Have that same. It's cold outside. Watch out for the step. This one's a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of doozy, uh, I've got a fun no stupid questions here from Reddit that is just it is it is prime for the picking, Ryan. I must say. Well, I'm glad that the harvest has gone well, because when I go (laughs) on the Internet looking for questions that aren't stupid, I always go to the r slash no stupid question subreddit. It is a paragon of nothing but not stupid questions. But this one comes to us from 
Wowzaps, user Wowzaps, where (laughs) they ask, I was just pooped on by a man while walking. Is there a way to identify him from his poop? Now, first, this has to do with the sentence structure. It sounds like some guy was walking and then he shat on someone else. That's what it kind of sounds like it could be. Yeah. (laughs) What was that username again? Wowzaps. More like wow craps. Yeah, right. Here's the situation. Uh, wow zap says the situation were, if you the will shit, yeah exactly right <laughs> um wow zaps was walking under the bleachers of, of somewhere and poop splattered next to him and got on his shoes and pants uh he says he looked up and saw a man hovering his ass over the side of the bleachers uh, and then the, the man supposedly ran away and now this left wow zaps just covered in shit he says who do i call the police is that a crime how do I get it tested? And then he goes on to say, uh, I'm not joking. Please don't laugh at me. I want a serious answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to laugh and provide serious answers today, I think. Uh, we're we're going to do more of the one than the other, but absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> just- <laughs> First of all, this sounds like wow zaps. He probably just shit himself under the bleachers. <laughs> he came back out and says, oh, my God, someone shit on me. Do I call the cops? What do I do? <laughs> I, I am inclined to take people at face value whenever possible. And I am going to assume that Wow Zaps has not crapped themselves, and that a an unknown assailant rained down <laughs> fecal matter from above. I think you know I've never had it shit so bad that I've shit someone else's pants. I think this is a new <laughs> this is a new era of 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 shitting. Like this person needs to see the doctor. But uh, I think it's an interesting question of can you identify someone from their poop? And I think perhaps the greatest that threat to privacy might be. Uh, getting rid of anonymous poop because researchers have found a way to tell people apart based on the population of bacteria in their poop. Really? So now you have a poop print in addition to a fingerprint? You got a fingerprint. I mean, if you want to have fun, you put them together, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we collect the poop samples. Just stick your thumb up there, swirl it around. (laughs) I mean, like this has to be the shittiest science job in the fucking world. And there's a lot of them. And there's a lot of them, right? So my my gut reaction to this is uh, burbles, first of all. First and foremost, there's burbles. But my gut reaction to this is, yes, they can absolutely uh, probably identify based on DNA. Because whenever you're trying to steal somebody's genetic information to tie them to a crime, the police hand you a glass of water, you drink it, you provide your DNA sample. Yeah. Because the Supreme Court has ruled, as we have indicated in previous episodes, that you can gather information from people's trash. You're absolutely right. I would say a team of researchers recently, again, I don't know who, how they got a grant for this, but uh, they were able to identify individuals based on their uh, the, the bacteria colony in their stool. And they say that it works about 86% of the time. So it, that is just not that is not using any DNA. That is just using the natural flora and fauna found in our guts. With, can they actually determine how closely related you are in terms of like proximity? So if two people are living in the same household, there's a possibility that they're sharing uh, gut flora and fauna. So that's interesting. You know, I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead here because in 2015, scientists from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and the Marine Biological Laboratory reported that they could predict obesity levels in a city based on the sewage microbiome with uh, up to 90% accuracy. So if they can tell what kind of people what kind of diseases they're going to have in the future. They should absolutely be able to tell a family shit tree, right? That's interesting because from a public health standpoint, there's probably a lot of information that could be gleaned from going to our local wastewater treatment plant and taking stool samples 
from an aggregated mass. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone pees and poops, not a secret. And we excrete all kinds of shit, metabolites, vitamins, microbes, and we even excrete our own cells in poop. You, you don't you don't have DNA in urine, but there is DNA uh, in poop. And so this information makes its way to the wastewater treatment plant, which is creating just a community giant stool and urine sample. Well, it, it's, it's great because you get you get valuable public health information, but yep. the all of the medical information is completely anonymous. Anonymous. Yeah, absolutely. By virtue of how we handle shit. And the University of Arizona potentially prevented an outbreak of COVID-19 because they they found positive wastewater samples from a dorm. And then they go ahead, they went ahead and tested people in the dorm and they found two students who tested positive despite showing no symptoms of COVID-19. So it absolutely has public health implications. If this was Arizona State, they would have found like, wow, there's a shit ton of Molly in the shits in the school samples. Right? <laughs> you used to have to go to like a dark pop-up nightclub in the bowels of Brooklyn to make that happen. But here we are. <laughs> You've got a person, he's wearing a medical mask and a, and a white suit, and he's taking anonymous stool samples from people doing cocaine off of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But um, the, the other question, is that a crime? I definitely think shitting on someone should be a crime. We define assault as unwanted touching. I have to imagine shitting on someone is unwanted touching. They definitely charge people with assault for intentionally coughing on them during a pandemic. So I would imagine intentionally dropping a deuce on somebody's head would count. We don't know if it's intentional. Uh, he could have just been shitting under the bleachers. And, and then been embarrassed once he realized he hit somebody. Yeah, and that's what I would do. Yeah, and then get the fuck out of there. Leave the scene of the crime. <laughs> and, you know, it is it is still Halloween season, so maybe we're dealing with, like, a were pigeon. Maybe this is the Phantom Duker. No, um, what, what I think is funny is he wants to call the police. I feel like I want to be, I want to hear that 911 call and just to see what the guy would say. <laughs> but here's the thing too. Uh, he would have to be willing to, not only would he have to preserve the sample on his shoes and his pants, he would have to get DNA samples to police who would be willing to run this. And then I haven't seen this episode of SCI feces, but I, I, I'd wager <laughs> that, you know, the police would then have to get other suspects shit samples and to compare them. I think it's easier said than done. Well, now, if this guy were a serial shitter, I think you'd have a you have a real mystery on your hand. Like maybe he only communicates in code. He shits on people like everywhere you go. If you're walking underneath, say, a scaffolding or some bleachers or like wear goggles, look up and keep your mouth closed. Oh, God. Uh, I just don't I just, get caught unawares. Yeah, man, you should always be aware. I hope this turns into like a, the, the best PSA campaign you've ever seen. I just love the idea that this person has not only done it, but they've done it intentionally. And this is a criminal activity that they are undertaking on the reg. Like, how, how long do you have to sit on top of those bleachers before somebody wanders by for you to release? What kind of groups does that person hang out with in jail? What sort of treatment do you think they're going to get once they go to prison and their crimes yeah. are revealed? Yeah, yeah. Where do they rank relative to serial killers and pedophiles? I, I honestly know. have no idea. Right I in think, the middle. <laughs> I think folks I think folks would keep them at the very at the very least on arm's length and on the ground floor. <laughs> yeah, you you don't want to be you don't want that guy to be on the top bunk. I'll say that, right? <laughs> Final determination, we can tell individuals based on DNA and based on not DNA, uh, but I I hope the police department is not wasting their time on this. I'll be honest, you know. I think if I think they could wrap this up pretty quickly by calling in a canine unit. <laughs> oh, it's like smell the uh, yep. shit smellers. Yeah, yep. yeah. You track it. You 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 track that fecal matter back to its source. Uh, spoiler alert: It's me. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of other people who may have left their genetic mark on history. <laughs> 
one of our favorite people in the whole world relative to this podcast is <laughs> Maurice. Is a former coworker of mine and a, a dare I say good friend. <laughs> yeah, also Diana and Maurice if you're listening, uh, I would uh, you guys should each listen individually so we get twice the downloads. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think they sit next to the radio like it's 1940 whatever and just listen to us, you know. <laughs> the hardest part is getting the MP3 to play through the gramophone. <laughs> But Maurice actually proposed this topic, and we're going to be addressing this uh, kind of in two and a half parts because it's a it's a, it's a multi-part claim. So the first part of this claim is that opening Genghis Khan's tomb will cause World War Three or a similar end time type disaster. Okay. Okay. Now sounds scary. It does sound a little bit scary. But the reasoning for this, this is not an ancient prophecy. There is nothing suggesting that Genghis Khan said, oh, yeah, when you find my tomb, you're going to get it. (laughs) This is based on a pre-existing myth, modern in origin, that opening the tomb of Timur caused the Nazi invasion of Russia. Yeah, uh, from what I know about this, uh, Tamerlane is a, f- a 14th century, I think, Mongolian like royal king, right? Whose tomb was opened in 1941 by Soviet archaeologists, and then mere days later, Nazi soldiers invaded. Uh, absolutely. The, the fighting on the Eastern Front was brutal, and it cost many, 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 many lives. So the idea is that because Genghis Khan was an even bigger conqueror than Tamerlane, or Timur, opening his tomb would cause an even larger battle. (laughs) So in order to properly examine that, we have to look at the curse of Timurlane's tomb, and then we can talk about Genghis Khan. Okay. Timur's tomb was opened on June 19th, 1941. The Nazis invaded on June 22nd, 1941. Yeah. He was reinterred in the fall of 1942 in November, which happens to be the exact same time frame that General Zhukov launched the counteroffensive against the Nazis that ultimately ended the siege of Leningrad and the expulsion of Nazis from uh, Russia and ultimately the defeat of Nazis at the hands of the Russians with their with their slightly less effective American allies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, again, again, like, um, is this cause and effect or is this just a crazy coincidence in a time of crazy geopolitics? Right. And I think that we can uh, think that we can safely say that this is probably a coincidence. Yes, uh, it is absolutely true that three days later, the Nazis invaded Russia, but they didn't amass their troops in three days. Exactly. Yeah, Uh, they actually started amassing. They had six hundred ninety thousand troops on the border of Russia as early as February of that year. That leaves us with two possible scenarios in which this assumption is true. One that the spirit of Timur was like, oh, they're getting ready. (laughs) That the magic surrounding the curse moved the Nazis to amass their troops well before the tomb was actually opened in order to execute the prophecy. Or, conversely, that Hitler amassed his troops on the border and then was waiting for them to open this tomb so that he could be like, now, okay, guys, it's right, it's good. I like to think that there were Nazi intelligence people waiting to see when they opened up this tomb. Right, they they got sources on the ground. They they're getting closer. I, I, of the two, of the two, I really I hope that this was a crazy 
pet project of Hitler's. Um, I'm not invading Russia until they open that tomb. Exactly right. Exactly. And he's like he's got he's got listeners on the ground and Mikhail Mikhailovich Garasimov, uh, who is the Soviet archaeologist that was in charge of the expedition. He opened the tomb. So allegedly, there is an inscription at the tomb of Timur: "When I rise from the dead, the world shall tremble." So that's a pretty ominous, but vague. Uh, threat. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like just like an asshole who's like pissed off about yeah. dying. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I haven't seen anything specifically declaring that that quote is real. Yeah. However, a reporter for the Independent writing about the link between Timur and Samarkand's architecture, which is where the tomb is located, reports that it is said that a further inscription inside the casket read, "Whomsoever opens my tomb shall unleash an invader more terrible than I." Now, it's worth noting, yeah, Garasimov uh, actually refutes that at least the latter half of that curse, basically saying that he's heard that people are saying that that was on the inside of the tomb. He does not confirm it and, in fact, refutes it. Now, in in Soviet Russia, especially under the under the rule of Stalin, it's entirely possible for the state to make information disappear but that seems extraordinarily unlikely in this circumstance however the first part when i rise from the dead the world shall tremble i see nobody actively refuting that and people at least a reporter on on the ground as recently as 2004 attest to this being on the outside of the tomb so yes there is a possible like a quote-unquote curse or a prediction or a prophecy but it doesn't necessarily uh result in the release of a co- an invader more terrible than I, which is a clear and obvious allusion to Hitler. That does not prove the prophecy is true. It just proves that the guy was a fucking asshole and broke this is had this inscription on his tomb. And then as a coincidence, some bad shit happened globally, you know? Right. On top of the uh, claims surrounding World War II, there's also another rumor that 18th century conqueror Nadir Shah, who stylized himself after Timur, Persian, uh, he was a Persian warlord. It said that he took a tombstone from the Guriyamur complex, which means tomb of the king, and it broke in two and he was plagued with misfortune until it was returned. However, he has also been tied to curse uh, a curse associated with Koh-i-Noor, which is a gem looted from the Mughal treasury, which is now in the possession of the British royal family as part of the crown jewels. That sounds about right. And, and honestly, they seem to be they seem to be doing fine. So maybe the curse of the diamond is overblown and it was really Timur's tomb that got him. But this seems to be another back formation. This guy's misfortune and his fall. Uh, it's kind of a romantic interpretation of history, which assigns supernatural consequences to perfectly mundane looting. So I think we can safely say that based on the timeline and, you know, people looking for supernatural causes to mortal events, especially in a time of, like you said, intense geopolitical turmoil. It's very unlikely that Timur is true. Therefore, the subsequent belief that opening Genghis Khan's tomb would be even worse is even more unlikely. And we can't find Genghis Khan's tomb. that, That is unknown currently. So you're absolutely right. The location of Genghis Khan's tomb is not known, which actually brings us to the second part of Maurice's question. Apparently, uh, Maurice had a professor who knew a team of archaeologists who were working in Mongolia to discover the tomb of Genghis Khan. And then because they were searching for a remote part of the steppe and the steppe isn't very hospitable, they could only work part of the year, which is not unusual. Most archaeological seasons are confined to uh, whenever it's not raining. (laughs) 
Uh, so it said that in the first year, they made no progress and ran out of time and went home. Then in the second year, they started to think they were finding some leads until a sudden unseasonable rainstorm drove them away with flash floods and they had to give up for the year. And then the third year, they were making some progress until bizarrely dense clouds of biting flies descended on them and chased them away from the area. So and then in the fourth year, they made no progress again and the weather and flies left them alone, but they ran out of funding and gave up. At first, we had trouble. We were kind of running into a wall trying to find information about this expedition. So I reached out to a scholar at Yale. Dr. Honeychurch provided us just a little bit of context. He pointed us in the direction of an expedition led by a man named Maury Kravitz. (laughs) Lenny Kravitz is dead. It's, in fact, not Lenny Kravitz's dad, uh, but he is extraordinarily wealthy and successful in his own right. He's a gold trader, a, a gold right. broker yeah. in the 70s and 80s. And he's exactly the type of person that you would expect to be looking for monumental architecture and high profile imperial tombs. He was he was uh, obsessed with Genghis Khan and trying to find the tomb over 40 years. He was like, it was like a little pet project of his for sure. This guy, Maury Kravitz. Uh, tried to put together an expedition starting in the late 90s. It gets a lot of publicity. I found a lot of reporting on it from 1996 uh, because he was contracting scholars, communicating with the Mongolian government, and trying to put together a full expedition. Now, my understanding is the first iteration of planning for this had a bunch of guys driving around Mongolia and Humvees. Oh, God. Yeah, almost like a royal caravan. It is not surprising to me that we can't find the tomb of Genghis Khan, because from what I know about it is one, supposedly he didn't want his tomb to ever be found, his final resting place. And two, Mongolia is one of the most underdeveloped countries in the world. It's about seven times the size of Great Britain, but it only has 2% of its roads. So completely unsurprising that we're having trouble tracking down some old mm-hmm. shit in this place that you just can't get around to like you can in other parts of the world. Yeah, it's extraordinarily remote. After we started looking into this, uh, this Kravitz expedition, it, it became clear to us that this is exactly the expedition being discussed. There was an archaeologist attached to it as an academic advisor. And he is based out of University of Chicago, where Maurice went. Yeah, it's his alma, where Maurice went to school. Alma mater. So right? everything everything seems to line up, and that would seem to indicate that yes, this expedition does exist. It's not just a mere rumor, but this figure of uh, Maury Kravitz is interesting in, in, in his own right, and the expedition itself is also. Uh, I looked into this expedition a little bit, and uh, Lenny Kravitz's grandpa's his uh, expedition. I found out that during it, they found a two-mile-long wall, which made the whole expedition very excited. And when they found it, they found out it was infested with pit vipers that is, you know, supposedly protecting the site of the tomb. And during the dig, these workers were bitten by snakes. Uh, And also cars rolled off hillsides for no apparent reason. For these two reasons and others, they decided to stop the expedition, which would lend credence to this curse, right? Bad shit will happen if you go go after this tomb. Maybe they were close, right? Who knows? There was also an official Japanese mission in 1993 uh, that failed after mysteriously calling off its search. We don't really know why that happened. So... This curse, while superstitious, might not be the worst. It might not. It might be true, is what I'm trying to say. Maybe it's true. Dr. Honeychurch, he did bring up the Japanese expedition. He said it was extraordinarily promising and they'd uncovered a lot of really valuable information that's still being studied today. Oh, that's cool. And I think that's a difference between a popular expedition run by an archaeology enthusiast as opposed to an actual archaeologist academic. Yeah. Because we're talking about a four season, a four season get in your trucks and go go search the step. Uh, type project and then weighing that against like a a serious inquiry that has 
uh, continued over the course of literally decades. I think something also important to note is the Mongolian government did not sanction this at all. They were actually kind of pissed, right? They initially did agree to it, but they backtracked. Okay. The, the thing to keep in mind with modern archaeology is things get really complicated. The quote-unquote golden age of archaeology was in the late 19th century, early 20th century, where you'd have really rich investors fund an expedition where archaeologists, usually from a major European power or the Americas, would go to a country, rip up as much cool shit as possible, and cart it back <laughs> to the museum. Put in the so that, museum, that way they could yeah. show their rich friends in society. Yeah, yeah. I used to work at one of these museums that does have this sort of history, so I, I can understand it all too well. But by the late 90s, a lot of countries had wisened up to this tactic and started taking control of what's called their cultural patrimony, which is basically everything that's in our territory belongs to us. You cannot take it out. Most expeditions at this point are typically coordinated with local archaeologists in order to ensure, one, that the material is being handled responsibly and being kept in country, and two, to ensure that they have a hand in the way that the narrative around the archaeology is being formed. I'm satisfied that we have uncovered the origin of the rumor at Maurice's uh, <laughs> alma mater. And we can safely say that, yes, this expedition did happen. Most reputable archaeologists do not claim curses as the reason for their academic failures. <laughs> it was such a good get out of jail free card. You just be like, oh, it turns out it was a curse. That's why I couldn't find it. Fucking ghosts, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, do you think that comes up in like the tenure meeting or the, it's like, well, it's like, well, if you didn't have, if it didn't have this damn curse, I would have made all these discoveries of these oh, man. Be bejeweled daggers and all these other coils yeah. of war that I'm sure Genghis Khan came up through his years of we are conquest. We are go we were going to approve your tenure, but you woke up too many ghosts, or not enough ghosts, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a British, if it's a British museum thing, yeah, it didn't wake what's, up enough what's ghosts. The, what's the right number of ghosts to get tenure? <laughs> oh, that's a, you know what? You should put that on no stupid questions. <laughs> that should be a no stupid questions. <laughs> but let's uh, let's just take a look at the uh, whether this was a, a pursuit in vain, really, because one. Yeah. The death of Genghis Khan is kind of shrouded in mystery. Yeah. There are three prominent theories. Are, do you know what they are, Matt? Oh, so I've heard that he got um, wounded in battle. I've heard that he got an arrow in the knee specifically and died from that. Yeah. So there's a couple different there's a couple different uh, theories. One is the arrow in the knee. Yeah. Uh, another one is that he fell from a horse while yeah, hunting. That's right. Which what a fucking dipshit way to die for Genghis Khan, right? You're one of the greatest yeah. conquerors in history and you die from falling off your horse. <laughs> that's probably the most likely <laughs> yeah, answer, right. though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, you could have gotten a disease, I'm sure, too. Right. Yeah, so there's there's the idea that he uh, he's putting down a Tangut rebellion in northwest China, okay. and in that scenario, uh, you know, the arrow to the knee comes into play. Yeah. Uh, but a third theory is that he died from an infection caused by a penis injury. <laughs> yeah, too much because fucking. Yeah, because Genghis his DNA is still around. His DNA is still around, but allegedly the wife of uh, the executed Tangut leader hid a sharp object in her lady parts. Holy shit. So when Genghis Khan went to assert his political dominance over the over the realm, 
I guess I, I don't know how to politely phrase uh, rape. P- political rape. Yeah. It's that, that's a sort of sensationalist type thing that pops up well after the fact, after somebody dies. Oh, sure. Like that just screams rumor. I, I'm in hunting accident camp, not yeah. to absolve yeah. Genghis Khan from his many uh, sexual assaults and crimes or even to attribute them to the times because he was an exception to the rule of the times, which was you grow up a herder, you die a herder, you get buried on your land. Yeah. Um, but speaking of getting buried, I think you and I both ended up doing a little bit of research. And I think the version of the story that you found the most often was actually coming from Marco Polo's uh, secret account of the Mongols. Marco Rubio's, I think, actually. It was Marco. It was Marco <laughs> Rubio's. Genghis Khan was buried in central Florida underneath yeah. Epcot Center. <laughs> Uh, in the, you can visit his tomb in the Cinderella castle if you want. <laughs> no, so what I found is that um, when he was killed, his army he was very sad about it. And that, so they carried his body back to his, his home. They supposedly killed everyone in route, in route back, back home. And then when he was finally laid to rest, his soldiers rode a thousand horses over his grave uh, to destroy any kind of remaining traces so people couldn't find it. But if that were true, all we want, all we need to find is a thousand horse skeletons. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they rode the horses over. They didn't leave the horses there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah soldiers rode a, a thousand horses. So you need like uh, really good horse trainers or if they actually did it themselves. Uh, either way, it's batshit crazy. Yeah, so the idea is that everybody that was associated with it either was murdered or killed themselves to hide the secret. Wow, that's so crazy. What a bunch of that dicks. is crazy. But yeah. I mean, there there are other historical examples of that. You know, if your boss comes to you and asks you to design his pyramid, turn that <laughs> job down, is all I'm saying. There were people that were like in the walls. They found people in the walls. Well, yeah, what they would do is they would literally bury and they would bury the person with the knowledge of how to a- actually access the tombs because they would have like false tombs and things like that inside of pyramids to dissuade grave robbers. Wow. So if you get tested to design the pyramid, there's a good chance you're going down with the ship. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah like you just hope you die before your boss is the uh, answer because you're not going to outlive him for long. <laughs> yeah, I feel like OSHA didn't have the regulations back then that they do now. <laughs> Being murder executed and left for dead inside of a lightless tomb is definitely an OSHA violation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the traditional way that a, a, a Mongol corpse would have been handled would be basically to be left out and exposed. But guys like Kravitz uh, disagree because his idea is that Genghis Khan's a conqueror. He accrued a massive amount of material wealth and... Therefore, he must have a tomb and that tomb must be filled with riches. In fact, he makes direct comparisons to King Tut's tomb, which was famously rich discovery in the early 20th century. So so this really this this Maury Kravitz guy, it really was about him just trying to find treasure, buried treasure. He, he wanted to, try yeah, to find yeah. buried treasure. He wanted to sort of paint himself in the same way that rich financiers did in the early 20th century, <laughs> uh, providing funding for excavations. Now, not to say that he didn't at least address some academic questions, but it was not at its heart an academic pursuit. No, it was about, it was about conquest. It was about trying to unearth right. yeah, material wealth. Yeah. But even then, there's no guarantee that the, a tomb even exists. He right. may have just he may have been interred. He may have been left to left to the elements. The idea that a tomb even exists is questionable. So not only were we able to refute the idea that there's a curse on Genghis Khan's tomb, I think it's safe to say that pointing to a failure of a modern expedition as a result of such a curse is extraordinarily unlikely and probably driven by the hubris of the people involved in that sort of uh, in that sort of project. Maury Kravitz died a few years ago, and he is largely remembered 
board for this expedition. Wow. So it's, it's it's an interesting capstone. Like, I certainly don't want to demonize the guy. He was definitely genuinely interested in the scholarship surrounding the tomb of Genghis Khan. I'm just not sure that his attitude towards archaeology is the healthiest way to harvest our cultural heritage. Uh, not to mention the fact that many people in Mongolia would consider it to be a sacrilegious act to even discover the tomb. Yeah, uh, that's right. The, the former pr- former prime minister or president of uh, of Mongolia he he denounced this kind of stuff and and he, he you know Genghis Khan again they're on the money there there's a, definitely a national pride mm-hmm. I, I will one thing I will say I don't want to tread very lately because we are talking about a dead man here but is there any way Maury Kravitz isn't buried with a shit ton of gold? I am I am absolutely certain that in 800 years, when we go searching for Maury Kravitz's tomb, we will find tons of gold. Uh, so I want to close out this topic with just a quick quote from Dr. Honeychurch. He says, simply put, there is no curse on the burial except for the unethical attempts by questionable individuals to locate the tomb site. And that is curse enough. Oh, that's very nice. It's like a good way of putting it. Turns out that extraordinarily well-educated doctor at an Ivy League university is better at this than us. <laughs> well, yeah, well, he, he, man, he should have his own. He should have a podcast. <laughs> OK, um, We've talked a lot about finding someone that was dead. So let's talk about something that other people wish were dead. I have another no stupid question, Ryan. Oh, is this also coming from the place on the Internet where stupid questions do not thrive? It, it is indeed come from r slash no stupid questions. We we are the rich gold brokers of the <laughs> sub, of the r slash no stupid questions subreddit. Um, so this question comes from user cat of Rivia and they ask, you can choose one species to go extinct. What would it be? Ooh. Yeah. Here's the good news. With the direction that we're going in terms of environmental policy, you're not going to have to choose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's more like you have to choose You have to choose one species to not go extinct and try to preserve that one. That's more. That's a, probably the easier question yeah, to answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know my answer, but I'm curious about yours. Well, I'm going to I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say whatever alien species is going to wipe us out. That's the species that I want to go extinct. Yeah, right. The, the, the aliens from Independence Day. There is a saucer headed in our direction from hundreds of light years away, and they are they are rubbing their hands together and gnashing their teeth, waiting for human flesh and to conquer us. And that's the species I want to go. Yeah. Okay. I think that's that makes you. You want a species? Is that a not, fair answer? I yeah, but I, I think that's a species not yet not exactly, yet discovered exa- or not yet known about. Yeah. So I think the spirit of the question is, what Earth species would you want to go extinct? I, that's what I think. Yeah. The I, th- I think that I think the downside of my scenario <laughs> is <laughs> the downside of my scenario is that they could go like, what if my wish comes true? The curse of Genghis Khan's real, and they get completely wiped out. And we wouldn't even know it. An intergalactic archaeologist from years from now would try to find the tomb of whoever <laughs> that guy was, right? That person was. If an entire species of alien invaders goes extinct in the dead void of space and there's no one there to hear them scream, <laughs> did they ever even exist? Did, the, did, did these alien astronauts, did they jerk off on their way to Earth? Is the only thing I want to know. <laughs> Were they able to? They, they absolutely <laughs> did. <laughs> um, I will say, though, um, since you're talking about aliens, aren't you just so glad that we didn't discover aliens when Donald Trump was controlling the nukes? Oh, my God. This was something I was There's... thinking about. I was like, man, I just hope they don't choose this year. it's not a good time for us yeah exactly right yeah can you guys come back in four years if democracy still exists the species i would want to see go extinct if i could snap my fingers uh it would be the mosquito okay i think malaria kills i mean 
so many people every year, and it is almost exclusively spread by mosquitoes in the developing world. I got some figures here. Malaria is responsible for about estimated one to three million deaths per year. I, I think the mosquito is a fantastic choice. I wouldn't miss them personally. Yeah, and right? yeah. there, there are definitely not any ramifications. Uh, we talked about this on an earlier episode where we are revisiting a lot of topics today. Yeah. Earlier we revisited, is it legal to stop and pick up a piece of poop on the side of the road or does it belong to somebody? <laughs> Once it's out of my body, I don't care what you do with it. You yeah, know? <laughs> and then we were revisiting the earlier question about whether or not human beings are making flies and mosquitoes faster by swatting the slow ones. Yeah. In this case, we're just like, no, we're going to swat them all. Yeah. Off the face of the earth. Uh, honestly, right now in my uh, where I live, lantern flies. What's is that like? Is that what's a lanternfly? It's an invasive species here, and uh, okay, it, 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 you'll be seeing them soon. They're absolutely beautiful. I, we've actually talked about it on a previous episode. It's the uh, spot, the the gray and black spotted bug, and when it opens its wings up, it's got beautiful little red and white tufts. Okay, so it's not fireflies. So it's, it's not a no, regional no, variation it, of what you call fireflies. No, but okay. it is a it is a beautiful invasive species destroying oh. our trees. All right, well, <laughs> the more you know, the more you know. I think also, I mean, oh. one, one species, we're talking about animals. Are there any plants you would want to see go extinct? Anything you wouldn't want to stumble across in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> apples. <laughs> apples, no apples. <laughs> no snakes. Uh, I also don't like spiders, uh, I, but I would say that I am not prepared to get rid of spiders because they do a whole lot of pest control that I'm not interested in. Honestly, I kind of let spiders go nuts around my oh, house. Oh, God, do not. You should not have told me that. I am <laughs> I am definitely afraid of them, man. I, I And the next time I come over, I'm going to I'm gonna be on the lookout now. I'm going to burn down your house. <laughs> so is my daughter, and she's not a fan. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, yeah. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to close out this uh, uh, this episode, Matt, how how would you want to be entombed for eternity if somebody should snap their fingers and decide that because inevitably some asshole on Reddit's eventually going to answer that question is like, oh, humans. Yeah. And fair, yeah. fair dinkum. Fair dinkum. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how would you want to be eternally entombed if you could choose? I, I can't get away from my first reaction is I don't give a shit because I'm not here anymore. But, you know, like and I, and I think it's definitely a point of hubris or ego to say I want to be in tune. I, I want something something funny, something with someone to get get a kick out of, right? Um I'd say launch my body into space. And you might say, "But Ryan, why?" Like Spock, like Spock, you're going to go on some some planet, you're going to be like in some space cop. Yeah, you're going to you're going to launch me direct you're going to shoot me into the heart of the Genesis planet. <laughs> And then all you have to do is get Dr. McCoy to mind meld with me and I'll get my consciousness back. There you go. Yeah. Spoiler alert for all you people who haven't watched the Star Trek three, the search for Spock. Yep, yeah. Yep. One of the best. One of or, the... Well, I mean, technically, and it's fitting that Wrath of Khan no, is, the, right. is, is the movie in which Spock dies and transfers his consciousness to Dr. McCoy. We're just um, spoiling <laughs> all the old Star Trek movies, but they're, they're, they're just so great. I'm a big fan. Khan! <laughs> Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, man. But no, I, I'd say launch me into space on the off chance that my body lands on a planet that is uninhabited. Perhaps the flora and fauna in my butt can <laughs> identify you. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, you'll be able to identify me and two, the flora and fauna in my butt will be able to populate a, a previously uninhabited planet. Oh. Now, the downside is if it hits an inhabited planet and now you have all this dangerous flora and fauna. Yeah, you could have an interspecies war. You but literally want to be a space colonizer. You want to be the <laughs> just colonize with my butt. Yeah, a space ass colonizer. As what a great band name. <laughs> but speaking of great bands, uh, I'd like to take a moment to thank Rick Reynolds for the use of his song "United" from the album "Portals in Progress." Thanks again, Rick. Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Spotify. And we are uh, we are all across. 
social media. We are on we are Wreck Your Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We have a Facebook page and a listening group, so please like and join both. You can find us on the Cast Junkie Discord service. There's going to be a link in the show notes. That's right. We have a yeah, we have a channel there now. And after our very successful Halloween listening party, we will be doing more of those. But you can interact with that uh, with us on that channel, which is a way healthier place than Facebook. <laughs> oh, you mean Meta? Yes, I do. You know what I do mean, Meta? I listened to I, I got a I got a push notification from Facebook the other day saying that Mark Zuckerberg was going audio live yeah, me too. with yeah. an interview with a guy. Yeah, yeah. I tuned in. I was like six minutes into it. There was no thesis statement. It was just a fucking jumble of shit. Did they have like it was more? It sounds like a feces statement. <laughs> at no point did they. At no point did they address the fact that they facilitate genocide in other parts of the world. No, they're just trying to do a rebrand, just like um, what was that organization did? Uh, Blackwater. Uh, Blackwater. The clan. The Blackwater. Oh. Yes. Okay, okay. (laughs) But anyway, so if between now and next week you find yourself standing outside of a large stone tomb, (laughs) getting ready to pry the door open to reveal the riches behind, and you're wondering whether or not this is a good idea, and there's a man standing behind you yelling, open it, open it, open it, I want to see the gold. Uh, We encourage you to, one, Google local cultural patrimony laws, ensure that you have an excavation that's sanctioned Make sure you get a host permit. government of the nation that you're in. Make sure you have a permit and a good plan for what to do with the objects that you uncover that is respectful of both local tradition and the people whose land that you're on. Okay. And don't wreck yourself. Which is to say, which is to say, check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart, and it won't change. Oh